When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A second consecutive defeat to Istanbul, Basaksehir midweek ramped up the media pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But it was a fantastic weekend for Manchester United all across the club. Wins for all four main teams as Casey Stoney's women's side head top of the WSL. The under-18s and under-23s scored seven between them and the men's first team beat Everton 3-1 with a very good performance. Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 6, Episode 10. This episode is brought to you by your hosts, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate, but also ExpressVPN. More on that in the middle of the show. Jack, to start with, Oligan Asolsha has delivered when he needed a win once again. He has a, a knack for doing it. He spoke really well in midweek after the Basaksha here defeat. He spoke about not folding like a house of cards after two defeats um, and, and that he spoke about the faith he had in his players, his coaching staff and the club. Um, and this win against Everton is temporary vindication, but vindication nevertheless, isn't it? Yeah, it was vindication. It was, and it, it it was much needed vindication as well because I think United were in some city, some pretty serious trouble actually. I think after the Basaksha here defeat, it wasn't just the fact that we lost. I think it was the the nature of the defeat and the nature of the goals that we conceded. But it was a good response, as Oli has proven time and time again. To be fair, that when the pressure's on, he and and his players tend to deliver. And it, I think the the Everton game was. Maybe not a turning point in the season. At least we can't say that with any certainty at this point. But it was a big positive and a performance that was much needed because it it did feel like this was a real inflection point that, that could have spelled the end of Solskjaer's spell. You know, yeah. There was no grim reaper at Goodison Park as there was for David Moyes in April 2014, um, and it didn't feel like defeat to Everton. It certainly didn't feel to me as if defeat to Everton would signal the end for Solskjaer, but it, it would certainly have continued the negative move at United and um, continued the pressure onto, onto Ole going into the international break. And so not just the win, but the manner in which it was achieved, the fact that United played with, with energy and intensity um, and uh, scored some really good goals as well. The two uh, goals that got United back into it after the after going behind were not achieved through defensive mistakes of the opposition, but through just really good attacking play. Uh, the, the Fernandez header he, he he does brilliantly in the box to to kind of stay in that space and Shaw's cross is, is fantastic and the Fernandez goal is is good work between Rashford and uh, Bruno before uh, I mean the goal ended up being Fernandez but Rashford inches away centimeters away from converting that header as well. So it, that the mixture of the intensity, the energy shown by everyone on the pitch, and the fact that the goal 
goals were through United's attacking quality rather than the opposition's defensive mistakes. Those two positives are, I think, quite significant. Yeah, there were three very good goals. I think the the big positive for me was the second goal more than than anything because Fred picks up the ball just inside his own half, manages to pick out Rashford with a great ball between the lines into Rashford's feet. Rashford then manages to turn, play the ball out to Fernandez, who then puts in a great cross, which may or may not have, have taken a, a brush off Rashford. I think that was exactly what we were missing against Arsenal, that ability for our midfielders to pick up the ball and play between the lines into the feet of the striker or the or the attacking midfielders and then build a platform for an attack from there. And it was great to see that we actually were able to do that. You know, the, the Everton game, it wasn't a perfect performance, but we started well and it would have been very, very easy for us to to fold after that first goal went in. At least personally, it was a, it was a massive body blow. And we, we just started to, at least personally, get a little bit more positive watching that first sort of 20 minutes against Everton when we were doing okay. And then when that goal goes in, it would have been so easy for us to just crumble. And and just as we did did against Leipzig and PSG, I thought we so showed great character, great resilience to to bounce back from that, and obviously got ourselves back in in the game and then in the lead within what five or six minutes of Everton's goal. I, I thought it was it was a good performance. It wasn't perfect, but there are a lot of positives that we can take from it, which is exactly what we needed at the moment. Yeah, yeah, positivity, and I think I guess that's been the the kind of the key for Solskjaer in his almost two years at United now is, is when he came in, he p- provided that positive mood change and he's managed to basically keep that up. Uh, not consistently. There's been times, uh, I guess in, in the last couple of weeks where that has, has disappeared, but he, he does have a, an ability to make things look positive at United, whether that's through wins or performances or the way he speaks. Um, We'll talk more about the the game itself in a second, but I, I, the the way he came out after the game, I thought was was brilliant. He was he was furious at the the way the matches have been scheduled. The Wednesday night game in Turkey uh, that United lost. United got back at about four a.m. on on Thursday morning and then played in the earliest possible fixture Saturday twelve thirty. Obviously, couldn't have played Friday night. Um, would wouldn't have been allowed. Um, and I loved it because before the game in his interview with BT Sport, he kind of alluded to some kind of frustration being there, but didn't talk about it and said, I'll talk about that after the game. Um, because he didn't want to be making excuses before United went into a game, but afterwards, after United had won, and I think won comfortably and, and very much deserved their win, Solskjaer comes out and uses uh, the the platform of of his BT Sport interview with Des Kelly to to get his message across. He had something he wanted to share, took control of the interview, and uh, made it very clear about his thoughts. And uh, the fact Luke Shaw went off with a hamstring injury, I, I guess will have only compounded his frustration, but it was, it was exactly what you want to see from, from your manager, having got the win, controlling the interview, controlling uh, the the coverage of, of his football club and something we've, we've not always seen from Solskjaer. Yeah. I thought he he spoke very well in the, in the build up to the game and after the game. It's something we've kind of come to expect from Solskjaer at this point. He's always been very good dealing with with the media, dealing with pressure, dealing with really anything that gets thrown at him from a, from an outside perspective. And to be fair, I think he responded well on on the pitch too. He clearly had the team really well motivated. You know, it, it's it's difficult for us to sit here and, and say, you know, whether the credit for this performance should go to Solskjaer or or the team. But wherever it lies, I think 
it's a really positive sign that when we are when we do have to respond to pressure like this, we we generally do. We we tend to step up and respond in the right way. We did it the reaction from the Tottenham defeat. We weren't able to do it from the Arsenal defeat, but we did on the back of the Basaksha hit defeat. That is a positive sign that obviously you want that we're not in that position as often as we have been. But I think you have to give Solskjaer some credit for how he carried him carried himself throughout the week, how he dealt with the pressure, and then the fact that he was quite outspoken after the game and did sort of stick up for his players and stick up for the predicament that the schedule person. Yeah, I thought his his press conference in midweek was really good as well, and um, managed to take what was a bad situation after the defeat to Basaksha. And I think most people who who watched that or saw the coverage of it would have been um, been comforted by how Solskjaer spoke and what he said. Um, Bruno Fernandez, let's go back to the game rather than Solskjaer. Bruno Fernandez, that is now 146 goals and assists in his last 170 games for his most recent clubs, United and uh, Sporting Lisbon. It, it was a game in which he led United again uh, as both the creative influence and uh, a scrapper, a tenacious scrapper of a midfielder. And his energy just rubs off on, on all those around him. And and it, it's been quite a while since Bruno Fernandes, since, uh, at least since I felt that Bruno took the game by a scruff of the neck and, and really dragged United through it. Um, his recent goals have been penalties for the main part, but this was a, a proper Fernandes performance and, and showed exactly how much influence he can have when he's at the top of his game. I think this is probably Bruno Fernandes' best performance since maybe Brighton away. Uh, not this season. The uh, at the end of last season when we won uh, three was it three 0 when he scored that brilliant goal on the counter attack. He was brilliant. He hasn't been for for quite a while, and I think we've been quite vocal about you know calling him out for that. He's still been getting a lot of praise and, and plaudits in the media, and he's still you know increasing that incredible goal and assist record. But he hasn't been great. We we always say that he plays this high risk, high reward style of football, and that's okay. But it it. It's been worse recently in terms of how many balls he's been giving away and the the high-risk stuff hasn't really been coming off. He still had all that high-risk stuff against Everton and it came off a few times as as for his goal and the two assists. Well, maybe two goals and an assist, who knows. Um, but not only that, I thought he was, he was just much simpler and calmer on the ball as well. He, was, he really was driving United forward. I think sometimes when I watch United, you can see how... Fernandez would be almost simultaneously your favourite and most hated teammate because he is an inspiration to everyone around him and he demands so much of everyone. And, and when, that, when things are going well, you can see why that is so powerful to be around. But you can also see why he'd be sometimes a bit of a nightmare to play with, honestly, because he does get very frustrated. He isn't afraid to you know, give it back to his teammates as we saw in the Europa League semi-final with, uh, when him and Victor Lindelof got into it a little bit. Yeah. But he is a leader. He is a leader massively, both by example yeah. and just in the way that he, he, he moves and talks on the pitch. And it's something that we haven't had in a long time. And he will be kind of abrasive, I think, at times. But when he's producing some of the quality that he produced against Everton, I mean, that header, that was an unbelievable header. The power and the accuracy that he gets on that is is just yeah. crazy. So... You know, full credit to him. He he hasn't been great for a while now, but this was a great performance. Yeah. I mean, his recent performances have been those which he plays pretty poorly and 
it, I I have often thought he should have been taken off and then he'll he'll convert a penalty or set up a goal in the last minute and that has been the Bruno Fernandes yeah. of this season but this was the the Fernandes that we got used to at the very start of his United career where he really was the the very heart of the United team um, and you're right that that energy does rub off and the header was fantastic it was it reminded me of Ronaldo's against Rome I think back in 2007 where just that ability to find the space and then make sure that as the ball comes in you're on the move so you get that power from your running um, and then obviously accurate as well to put it past Pickford um, so yeah really good from Fernandez. talk about him as a leader absolutely um, and I the other leader in United's team Harry Maguire the, the captain of the club with a a really really good performance, um, I think more aerial jewels won than anyone else in the United team. Seven clearances, interceptions, tackles, no fouls committed, no losses of possession. They should have won a penalty off Pickford for United in the second half, and, and just really commanding at the back there for United. And exactly what we needed against an Everton team who, with Calvert Lewin's aerial ability, can be really threatening. I think it's something that has actually been lost a little bit, I think, recently, because we haven't had amazing results, actually has been Harry Maguire's massive improvement since the Tottenham game. I think we quite rightly spent a lot of time berating him and, and Lindelof and the rest of the defence for the first few games of the season. Mm. But actually, I think he's been very, very good recently. You know, even against Basaksha here, when, you know, there were at times some some really comical defending. I didn't think he was culpable for the vast majority of it. It was him sort of having to cover for those around him most of the time. And this performance against Everton was brilliant. I mean, it said a lot that Bruno Fernandes, the first thing he said in his interview after the game was he hailed the performance of Harry Maguire and the way that he led the team and the way that he he drove them on. I think you're you're kind of seeing him separate himself a little bit from Lindelof or by or Twanzebi or whoever it is that he plays with, and that he he can, I think, be the one of that group that is able to elevate his performances to another level, but he needs sort of a bit of solidity around him. But I thought his performance against Everson was was brilliant. He was very, very commanding, and it's exactly what you want to see from from your captain and centre back. Yeah. Uh, a few other players who who impressed. Uh Scott Matomine and Fred were were very good in midfield. They they offer United that kind of compact midfield that uh, does well to to control um, the, the midfield battle and did that against Everton. And McTominay, there was one one of those Hollywood diagonal passes across the pitch. I think it was to Rashford quite early on in the game, probably 20 minutes in. And you could see immediately the confidence that that gave him. A minute later, he made one of those vertical passes through the lines for the first time and then started playing playing similar passes throughout. And that's what United's midfield need. It's what we normally lack through McTominay and Fred, those, those passes between the lines. And I think why uh, we need to see more of, of Donny van der Beek. But McTominay and Fred both had very good games. And I guess overall this game... What does it what does it tell us about United coming off the back of a, a really bad and, and disheartening defeat to Arsenal where we we didn't really try hard enough and the same can be said about the Basakshir game with defensive mistakes and and not enough energy. How much can we take from from a, a a really good win against Everton? Three very good goals, a good performance, good in defence, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to know how much we can take out of this, especially going into an international break where we've got time to think it over. Uh, yeah. I mean, what do you think? I think at this point, it's it's pretty much impossible to take anything out of any United result because this team is just so inconsistent. I mean, every game we come out of it thinking, you know, 
oh, is this a sign of, of worse things to come? Oh, we have had a positive performance. Maybe this is a sign that we're going to start improving. And every week we just lurch from, you know, borderline world-class at times to relegation fodder at times. I mean, this and this week I think is the perfect encapsulation of that. We have a game against Arsenal where we couldn't get out of a high press at all. We created no clear chances at all the entire game, really. Then you play Basaksha here where they're playing a deep block. Again, we spend 60, 70 minutes penning them in their own box and didn't really create a single chance and gave away two goals from just comical defending, especially the first one. But then you come to the Everton game and you know it wasn't perfect. It's not our best performance of the season, but it was it was very good against a good Everton side. We controlled the game throughout and we saw the game out really well too. I, I tweeted on about 75 minutes that we were starting to drop deep and it it just it smacked of us doing repeating our mistakes from the Brighton game where we sit too deep and just allow them to come with wave after wave of attack. And to be fair, we didn't. And I, I was very impressed with the way that we ended up seeing out the game on the front foot. It, it's impossible, honestly, Harry, at this point, to, to get any sense of where this United team is or how we're going to react to good or bad defeats because we just have no idea how which United is going to turn up every game. Yeah, um, it, it is difficult. I'm not sure I've ever... Can you ever remember a United side being this inconsistent? You know, we've had inconsistent teams before, but I think it's the scale of the heights and the lows. Yeah. You know, like this, like, you know say the Leipzig game, the PSG game are genuinely pr- probably some of the best football we've seen post Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. At any point. Probably up there with the very start of uh, the season when we finished second under Mourinho. But then, yeah. you know, Basaksha here, Tottenham... Brighton, Crystal Palace are some of the worst performances we, we've ever seen. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. In a year of unprecedented happenings, this is unprecedented inconsistency from United. And you're right, it's it's how good the good moments are. And I mean, th- this Everton win, it's a, it's a really good one. Um, but because of the context yeah. in which it comes, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's very pleasing and really satisfying and, 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 and really comforting. But there is a bit of you that thinks, well, what what's going to happen next week. I think the one thing I took from the Everton game is that the problem against Arsenal and Chelsea, uh, Spurs is an anomaly because that was a really, really bad. But the problem in the games that United have lost in a tight manner or drawn, Chelsea uh, lost narrowly to Arsenal and in the end lost narrowly to Basaksha here despite those horrendous defensive mistakes. And the problem with all of those has been how slow and predictable United have been. And that the way that we scored against Everton was by playing with our first or second touch, by by getting that pass out there, by passing quickly and moving. And it, it seems yeah. obvious when we're playing badly, it seems obvious that that's what we need to do. And yet, it, it only happens in, in one of every two games or sometimes in, in bad spells, one of every three games. Um, so I guess that's and what I And you can usually see it. it from the first few minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. Just like the first few minutes. Like against Arsenal, I could see it from the first minute that we just weren't, we weren't on it. We were moving the ball so slowly and we were so lethargic. But then against Everton, first five, ten minutes, you know, not that, not that we were all over Everton, but we just had a bit more purpose in our, in our play. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really annoying one because it's not something that has an obvious fix because Solskjaer and his coaching staff and the United players will know that they're better when they play quickly, but they don't always do it. Yeah. And, and that's why it's, it, it's frustrating because you can't see how they get out of this 
rut. And I guess maybe it comes down to leadership. Um, but um, whether that's... And it happens against all types of teams too. Yeah. I think it's it's a little bit more understandable against deep blocks because the whole point of that is that the game slows down and it's tough to move the ball quickly because, you know, there isn't much space. And United certainly are not the only team that, that suffers with that. It's a common thing that top teams playing against deep blocks. Just look at Spurs against West Brom today. It can be tough at times to move the ball that quickly. Yeah. I think what's what's weird is that we're not only we don't only have that problem against deep blocks, we also have it against teams that play a very high tempo, like Arsenal, where we're getting pressed really high up the pitch, but we're still so slow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's yeah, it makes it really hard to have faith in the United team. Um, absolutely. We're going to move on uh, to Youth Loan and Women's Roundup and a quick message from our sponsors, ExpressVPN, in a second. But Edison Cavani off the mark, selfless from Bruno Fernandes at the very end to, to set up that goal for Cavani yeah. and not go for the hat-trick himself. Uh, perhaps an, an understated bit of selflessness that's not been talked about that much, but Cavani coming on and doing what we expected of him scoring with the one chance he gets being clinical and being a very good striker. Yeah, absolutely. Again, he's he's not really had that much opportunity so far. He's come on for little cameos. Thought he did okay against Everton. He made some nice runs, held the ball up well at times. Uh, but yeah, th- I mean, that really is, other than his very first touch in a, in a United shirt, the little flick from the corner against uh, against Chelsea. Yeah. You know, that really has been his, his one and only chance in a United shirt and he took it and he took it really well. So... You know, a little bit of confidence is uh, is always a positive. Solskjaer indicated after the game that he's only just getting back to to full fitness and, and getting fitter and fit, fitter and fitter. Obviously, he wasn't with the team until very recently, so wasn't training at probably that high intensity. So hopefully there's better things to come. It's frustrating that we don't have any League Cup games coming up in the near future. I think our next one's in yeah. December because um, that would have been a good chance just to get Cavani integrated into the team a little bit more and given some opportunities from the start. It would also would have been great to if we had beaten Basaksha here, we then probably could have played a, a much weakened team in the return fixture at Old Trafford yeah, in a couple of weeks, true. which would have given Cavani another opportunity. We can't do that, unfortunately, but I mean, as I said, the I don't think the goal or the performance tells us that much about what he's going to offer United, but a little bit of confidence is always a positive and hopefully he can when he does get more of a chance, hopefully prove us that prove what prove his worth to yeah. us. Right. Time for a message about uh, this episode's sponsors, ExpressVPN. Um, if you've ever used or thought about using incognito mode while browsing on your phone or your laptop, this might be relevant to you in your search for privacy on the internet. Um, you wouldn't go to the work toilet with the door open. So why would you do the equivalent online? Even if you have incognito mode on, even if you clear your history, whoever your internet provider is, BT Sky, Virgin, whoever, they can see every site that you've visited. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes and encrypts your internet connection through their secure server. So your internet provider can't see the sites that you visit. I use it on my laptop mainly, but I really should on my phone as well. Um, um, the privacy it provides is, is great, but to be honest, I use it most for the advantages it brings in streaming things, shows on Netflix or iPlayer that you can't get in certain countries, and of course, uh, sporting events as well. ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN by CNET and Wide and is available on all your devices on just one subscription, phone, Xbox, laptop, PC, TV, um, even your Wi-Fi router as well. So if that interests you, go to expressvpn.com forward slash Manchester and you can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com 
slash Manchester, expressvpn.com slash Manchester to get three months on a one-year package. Right, uh, let's go to a youth loan and women's roundup and then we'll be back uh, for the end of the show. It's been a fantastic week all round for United. The under-18s managed a 2-0 win against Everton thanks to goals from Zidane, Iqbal and Alejandro Garnacho. Iqbal showed great footwork in the area to get space on his left and finished beautifully in the far corner and that put United ahead in the 51st minute and Garnacho off the bench doubled United's lead later with an emphatic finish. It's been a good week for Garnacho, signed from Atletico Madrid this summer. He scored a double for the under-17s in the Premier League Cup in midweek and then one for the under-18s at the weekend. The under-23s, meanwhile, also had a brilliant win for 5-2 against Brighton away from home. United dominated the first half. It was a pretty perfect performance, really. Hannibal Medjbury scored the first after only seven minutes, played through by Arnold Pujmal. United played with a three at the back and dominated midfield with Medjbury, Helm and Galbraith in there. Galbraith had yet another great game for the 23s and this one ahead of going into the senior Northern Ireland squad in the break. Other goals came from Shortie and Helm in the first half. Brighton got themselves back into it, winning a penalty and converting it and then scoring again just 47 seconds later. It was a lapsing concentration from United, but they recovered from it well. Alvaro Fernandez, the Real Madrid fullback signed in the summer, dragged United forward as they moved to a four at the back and Fernandez scored a long-range drive to make it 4-2 before starting the move, which gave Puigmao a deserved goal after a fantastic display, first at right wing back and then in midfield. Really good win for United, who are developing well at that level. Joe Hugo, by the way, has been nominated for Premier League 2 Player of the Month, having only just turned 17. In loan news, James Garner led the way for United's loanies this weekend, assisting Watford's second goal as they managed a 3-2 league win against Coventry. He'll now go to play with England under-20s during the international break. Ted Mengi with the under-19s and Logan Pye and Will Fish are with the 18s. Tees Chong won a penalty off the bench for Werder Bremen to get a 1-1 home draw against Cologne. Dishon Bernard started his first game for Salford as they beat Hartlepool 2-0 in the FA Cup with two extra-time goals. Dylan Levitt started for Charlton in a cup defeat to Plymouth. He'll be with the Wales senior squad again this break alongside Dan James. And it was a statement victory for Manchester United's women's team on Sunday afternoon. Casey Stoney's team managed a first ever win against one of the big three of the Women's Super League, City, Chelsea and Arsenal, that is. It was the latter, Arsenal, who United achieved a very well-deserved win thanks to an 83rd-minute Ella Toon goal, a lovely finish in off the left post. It's a fifth consecutive league win for United, who moved to the top of the Women's Super League table with that win. A brilliant feat for Stoney and her side. Right, a slightly shorter episode than usual this week. No matches to preview. Uh, and it's, it's, it's strange because football has kind of, for the last few months, been so quick and so rapid. And, and when we take the break uh, for the international break, this is uh, the second one of the season now, it does, it does feel like a, a time just to slow down and, and relax a bit without Manchester United and the, the, the pressure that that brings to our lives. But I mean, this week wins for every uh, one of the the top four teams at the club, the women's side, the men's side, the 23s and the 18s and actually the 16s won as well, which I didn't mention there against Everton as well. So it, it's been a very nice week and um, a nice weekend in general, I think, um, in terms of, of everything that's going on in the world. Marcus Rashford securing uh, more from the government in terms of free school meals and in fact, much more than that as well in a, in a massive package for, for kids in the UK uh, struggling in food poverty and um, Trump being or starting to be taken out of the White House. Uh, so a good week in general, football and elsewhere. We'll be going to a patron Q&A after we uh, wrap things up here. So 
If you're interested in becoming a patron, supporting the podcast and, and getting bonus episodes and bonus Q&As at the end of shows, as well as a shout out on the show, then go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D at the end there for information on how to do that. But if you just want to hear from me and Jack throughout the week over the international break, you can find Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tate's T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 um, Other than that, enjoy the week without United. We may be back during the international break if something big happens. Otherwise, we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy the football if you get to watch it. And have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.